Hi! Hey, welcome to The Cordial Catholic, a podcast for non-Catholics, new Catholics, also looking to dig deeper into the Catholic faith. I'm Kay Albert Little, an evangelical convert to Catholicism, and this podcast is born out of one particular idea. It began for me when a pastor I was working for asked me the question, what's more important, the Bible or tradition? That led me, an evangelical in my early 20s, into a deep dive into the history of my faith, the Bible, uh, other faith traditions, the history of church and Christianity, and all things in between. And it was then that I encountered the ancient Catholic church that looms large in church history, and there it was. And as I began to read from actual Catholic sources of what Catholics actually believed, I realized what I thought I knew about the Catholic church and the Catholic faith was based in large part on misinformation and, more often than not, on simple misunderstandings. Well, this podcast serves to fill in that same gap, the gap between what do you think Catholics believe and what we actually do. Each week, I have a real Catholic conversation with a real Catholic thinker from the heart of the Catholic Church. No misinformation here. And this week, I am joined by Mike Pacer to talk about Advent and making the most out of your Advent season. It's a fantastic conversation, which is wide-ranging, beginning in the very beginning of social history, back in the book of Genesis with the creation of the world and Adam and Eve, all the way into the birth of Christ at Christmas time and beyond to the coming, the return of Christ at the end of all time, and how all of those things are encompassed into the Advent season as we journey towards Christmas. It's a great conversation for those people who are looking at Advent for the first time, maybe with new, fresh eyes, looking to pick up some new Advent traditions and things they can practice as they begin to walk through the Advent season for the first or second or, or third time. And for those of us who've done Advent for a, a few years or, or a, a long time, all kinds of new ideas and practical tips and things that Mike has for us to think about as we reflect on making the most out of our Advent season. It's a great conversation, really rooted in some awesome Catholic thinking and Mike's a great guy to be discussing this kind of stuff with. He has some amazing insights. I do hope you enjoy this conversation. This conversation and others are brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash cordialcatholic and paypal.me slash cordialcatholic for our one-time donors. You guys are so valuable to helping this thing to keep going and growing week after week and spreading the good news and messages like this. So please consider if you would like to supporting the show in any way possible. Those links are in the show notes as well. And thanks to those who are already faithfully supporting the show. Thank you so much, guys. That's amazing. And now, without any further ado, my conversation with Mike Pacer on making the most out of your Advent season. Please listen and enjoy. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Hit the bell, uh, subscribe to the channel, do all those fun things. Leave some comments uh, in, in the comments. Let us know what you think. Reach out. Love to hear from you. If you're on podcasts, hello. Thanks for listening. Make sure you leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Those reviews and ratings help to push the podcast out to new people and spread the whole mission of this thing to reach more and more people for this awesome message of what we're, we're doing here, the beauty uh, and truth of the Catholic faith. It's awesome stuff. And speaking of awesome stuff, I am joined this week by Mike Pacer. And before I introduce him, okay, Mike sent me... I often ask guests, here's a little peek behind the curtain, folks. I often ask guests for a little bio or often just find one uh, where I can get and, or, or gather it or, or make it myself. And I asked Mike for a bio. He sent me two versions, okay, Mike, and a short one and a long one. I'm going to do the long one because the long one really is, gives you a sense of who, of who Mike is, uh, and I think it's pretty awesome. Okay, Mike practiced successfully uh, as a Chicago trial lawyer for 14 years before he hearing a call from God to just leave, in quotes. Entrusting their futures and their young children to God's hands, Mike and his wife Lori left their comfortable lives and headed out into the unknown. I love this. This trust walk of over the past 17 years has led Mike to a life as a dynamic international speaker, award-winning author, chief facilitator, and parish mission leader. He's a president of Five Stones, a not-for-profit that partners with Catholic organizations, Providing them with the tools to magnify their message and evangelize the world. And along with Lori, Mike is the co-director of Evangelize All Missions Ministries, an apostolate that promotes God's God is, a powerful plan for parish evangelization and renewal. 
He's the author of three books and has a master's in theology from Holy Apostles Seminary, a college and seminary. And he is the author of a book we're talking about this week. And the topic this week is Advent. And his book, The Three Comings of Christ, Daily Meditations for Advent, uh, came in my mailbox recently. I love it, Mike. It's awesome. I'm happy to have you on the show. I love that bio. I love that just heading out into the unknown. That's awesome, Mike. So welcome to the show. Thanks for being here, and hello. It's a great pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm a, a big fan of the out of the unknown. My wife and I recently just heard a call from God and uprooted our lives, left my job, uh, moved our family back to her hometown where her parents are here, totally out into the unknown, kind of you know, bought a house with no job. I bought it sight unseen. It was crazy. So we are totally in this let's just do it mode, Mike. So your story, that bio was like, yes. Yes, Mike, this is this is it. I'm I'm up for it. I love it. That's awesome. God bless you. Yeah. That's fantastic. All right. So we're we're talking about Advent, which is a fantastic and fascinating topic. And I'm thinking of, of all kinds of things to talk to you about, Mike, and different angles to approach this with. And I'm thinking of listeners to this show who are new Catholics, who are non-Catholic Christians looking into the Catholic faith, going, What are these guys doing over here? I'm thinking of my own uh, upbringing, my experience with Christmas and Advent as a non-Catholic Christian. I became a Christian, evangelical Christian, around the age of 13 or so, raised kind of nominally Christian. We'd, we'd go to church maybe on Christmas sometimes, right? But not very seriously between those times. And I became evangelical at age 13. It became very serious for me then, going to church. And the Christmas season was very uh, serious and somber time. And for me, I have I have these memories of leaving my family on Christmas Eve to go to Christmas Eve service at the church because I was the only one that became Christian in the, in the early days. My parents and my sister and her you know, her husband, they followed and they're all uh, uh, worshipped now in an evangelical Christian uh, context. But in those early days, I can remember being the only Christian, quote-unquote, in the house and, and leaving on New Year's Eve to go to church. Everyone else went out to a New Year's, or sorry, Christmas Eve uh, party at a family friend's house. I had to go to to church. And it was a very serious and somber time for me, Christmas Eve, but it was just Christmas Eve. There was no Advent, there was no build-up to that or lead-up to that. It was just the Christmas Eve thing as a non-Catholic Christian. So I wonder, for listeners who are looking into the Catholic Church and going, okay, what is this Advent thing? What, what are they doing here starting back in November and going up until Christmas? Uh, uh, what's going on here? What can we say about Advent maybe in, in a nutshell, Mike? And I want to know for you, what what your Advent experience was maybe in your Catholic context as you maybe were being, I don't know if you were raised Catholic, Mike, all the way, but maybe a, a sneak peek into what Advent meant for you as Christmas meant for me as a, that evangelical Christian context. Wow, you asked a lot there. Well, let's start with one thing. Let's start with one thing, and that is Advent is not just Catholic. Advent is, of course, the tradition of the church goes back, and so Advent's been celebra- celebrated by Catholics for centuries and centuries. But some of the, you know, the more, um, most of the more traditional denominations of Christianity, besides Catholics, uh, very much celebrate Advent. So the Anglicans and Lutherans and uh, I say Anglicans, Episcopalians kind of depends. So, uh, you know, I think even some of the Presbyterians. So it's, it's not just Catholicism. But I guess in a nutshell, I've got lots to say about Advent, but what I'd kind of challenge, you know, your new, your, your new Christians, your new Catholics um, to understand, and, and basically any Catholics, any Christians is, in a way, we celebrate Christian, excuse me, we celebrate as a society Christmas starting on Black Friday and now maybe even before that. But it's not Christmas. You know, the season of Christmas traditionally starts on Christmas Eve in the night after the midnight mass. And it goes until the Feast of the Presentation. So we get to celebrate for Christmas for a long time after Christmas, where everyone else is nursing their hangover on the 26th and saying, well, okay, that's it. Throw the Christmas tree out. When I grew up, my gosh, that's when you really started partying, was on, on Christmas Day and all the way through the Feast of the Presentation and the Epiphany. So it, it's not, it's, we are not in Christmas right now. We're in Advent here in, in, in early December. <laughs> that's what that's well said that's well said and and so to take us to the the meaning of advent i mean advent sure. uh it sounds like the word adventure but beyond that it's a bit of a foreign i don't know foreign word advent is coming we talk about an <laughs> okay. advent is something we talk about something is coming 
So what Advent is, is it's a time of preparation. It's time of looking forward. It's a time of entering into the longing for Christmas. And we all know this in our hearts. I mean, we don't just run the marathon the first day. We don't expect to be the boss of the company the first day. We don't expect to, you know, hey, just give me the final right now. I just signed up for the class in college. We have to work for it. We have to prepare for it. We have to get ready. And when things are prepared for, when we enter into things, we really work at them. That's when things are, are awesome. You know, whether it's a relationship with your spouse or whether it's a project at work, it really doesn't matter. It's when we really, really put ourselves into it. That's when something finally happens. It's so much sweeter. It's so much better. And that's what Christmas is. We want to be ready for Christmas by entering into Advent. And Advent is that time of preparation. Now, the church, and I'll kind of get into, I don't know if you want me to get into the three comings of Christ, but I guess I'll start it right now. We can kind of jump back and forth and segue all over the place. But Christmas is Christmas. Christmas is the birth of Christ. But the question is, okay, you, you know, we can, we can look to great sages out there in the world and say, well, what, what's Christmas all about? And you've got, you know, a great guy, the Grinch. You know, the Grinch, you know, noted that, uh, you know, it, it, it came without ribbons. It came without tags. <laughs> it, it came without packages, boxes, or bags. Maybe Christmas means, maybe Christmas doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas means just a little bit more. So the Grinch is a good start. We can, we can go to Linus Van Pelt from, and, and Charlie Brown's like, ah, can there anyone who can tell me what Christmas is all about? And Linus, we know in, in, in the uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, he walks up the, the center stage, grabs the mic, grabs the light, and he quotes the uh, infancy narrative from Luke chapter 2. And everyone thinks that's what Christmas is about, and it is. But if we start there, if we just start there that God became man, was born in a stable, was born to a virgin, was born to the house of David, was born poor. Why? Why? Christmas doesn't answer those questions. Advent answers those questions. Advent is the context into which Christmas happens. Advent is the why for Christmas. Yeah, I think that's so fascinating. I, you you mentioned right off the bat in the preface for your book, Salvation History, and that like right that yeah <laughs> because if you if you just plop someone down in front of the Christmas story, right, they'd go, okay, well, yeah, but who is this guy? <laughs> who is this? Right. Who is this baby? And and why are they being born there? And why are people excited about that? What what? Why does someone want to kill them? And then why are they having to flee? And who are these? men coming to, to worship this, right? right? It, it makes sense to us hearing this year after year, right? As a Christian, even in a secular context, the story is, is widely known, yeah. I think, in most of the world. It's a, it's but, a birthday party. It's, <laughs> yeah, a, it's, yeah. a, it's a great birthday yeah. party about peace-ish, happiness-ish, be good to your fellow man-ish, here's some great figure, man, maybe he's God, maybe he's not, maybe he's some wise Yoda kind of figure, but yeah, let's celebrate his birthday. That's, that's what the secular setting is. Yeah, yeah. But as you said, salvation history, so the, what we're invited to do is, as Catholic Christians, what the church really promotes is we really want to enter into three comings of Christ, three comings of Christ. And the first is very traditional, and that is, okay, Christ comes 2,000 years ago, born in Bethlehem of Judea, to Mary and Joseph in the middle of the night with shepherds around. Well, what led up to that? And so what we are, we're invited to by tradition in the church, small t tradition, and that is we try to enter into and read and meditate upon all of salvation history. And salvation history is from the time of creation all the way to the birth of Christ. And why do we call it salvation history? We always talk about, oh, Jesus the Savior is born. We sing it in all these different songs. You'll you'll hear it even in the um in the grocery you know store. You know, Jesus our Savior is born. Well, why? What is why do we need a savior? If we don't understand why we need a savior, there's no understanding of Christmas. And the reason we need a savior, we learn about it in salvation history. We learn about the creation of man. That's the first story. And the second story is Adam and Eve. They didn't have to die. They had this awesome life, great place. World worked with them. They, you know, God walked with them in the cool of the evening. And what did they do? They sinned. They broke everything. And from that moment on, 
we were in need of a savior to come and fix everything. And and this, you know, Advent, I guess, sets that context, right? Sets that, mm-hmm. that story up for us. And so instead of approaching Christmas as, as I did on Christmas Eve, and it was a a solemn event and it was exciting and it was, you know, the dark in the church and, and candlelight and the story mm-hmm. of the instant narrative and, and we're, we're thankful for the, our, our savior, our God coming to earth and human flesh. Advent has the, has rather set this table as we slowly approach or, or journey. And you use this word too. I love this word the journey towards mm-hmm. Advent. Like that's really interesting because you know, you think in, in many ways of the journey that Mary and Joseph took towards you know, to Bethlehem, that physical journey they took for the census and uh, that, that journey, but also, you know, we're, we're taking a kind of journey as we slowly walk, approach Christmas through the lens of, of the history of salvation. I think that's a really interesting way of putting it, an actual journey that, that we're taking through Advent. I'd invite your listeners if they've not, you know, hopefully maybe some of them are evangelicals and they're, you know, or they've come from a tradition where they've read the Bible. But I, I really invite people to read the Old Testament. And these stories of uh, the throughout salvation history, you know, and the top ones, of course, are, you know, you've got creation, you've got the fall of man, you've got, you know, Cain and Abel, Noah, you can get to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, you can get to the kings, you know, uh, Saul, David, Solomon, you get then to the judges and then the prophets and all these things. Well, what's going on? What's going on? And the people who really haven't read the Bible or have just heard things, they're always like, oh, yeah, that's that story about that mean old God who used to, like, strike his people down with, with thunderbolts. Well, that's Zeus. That's not God, you know, the Father. But that's not what the Old, the old Testament is. The Old Testament is a love story. It's a story about a God who loves us so much that he is so much love, that it's Trinity, he's family, he's community, he's three persons. And I say he, you know, but God. And it bubbles over, and God can't can be contained. God is so much love that he created us to share his love, to give us himself. And so he created people, and then they fell, they broke it. And there was no way to fix it. I mean, man just basically, we had the story about Adam and Eve, like, don't eat the fruit. Okay, uh, devil, yeah, eat the fruit because you'll be like God. And that's a Semitic way of saying you'll be God. Well, there's one thing we can't be. We can't be God. And the sin of pride is to say, I don't need God anymore. I don't need God. I don't want him. I'm going to be my own God. I'm going to be the God over my body. I'm going to be the God over my sexuality. I'm going to be the God over every single thing I do. It hasn't changed since the time of Adam and Eve. And right then, there's this great, this, this great, story right afterwards and the promise and a cool word we use is the proto-evangelium is the first gospel now everyone always thinks matthew is the first gospel it's actually right there in genesis 3 where god says okay you guys broke everything you screwed everything up but here's the situation and i'm paraphrasing but you know what you see that little devil there he's gonna be striking at the heel of your progeny but your progeny meaning ultimately jesus christ is going to crush his head and fix everything. And so the whole story of creation is we're created in love, we turn our back. And God doesn't say, forget you. He says, I love you, and I'm going to fix everything. And then we go throughout all the story. The people, the Jewish people, our ancestors, God has always given them good things. And when they accept God and love God and obey God, things go great. And then things are going great. I don't need God anymore. And then they go and intermarry and do all these crazy things. And you have to read the stories carefully because you always think they're being punished for little things. When you start reading these stories, they're sitting there in the promised land and they're, they are literally sacrificing their babies to pagan idols. You know, these are the types of things. Yeah. Things don't go well there, but God keeps wooing them back. God keeps sending judges and, prophets saying please come back i love you i love you i love you and when they do things go great and then they run away again and then over and over again god keeps wooing them and coming back until finally he gets to his greatest act of love he comes himself he empties himself as divinity and born just a helpless little baby in bethlehem 
<laughs> That's well said. I like the structure of the, 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 this idea. And I, I gather it's, it's an ancient idea or an old idea. So I've heard about it a lot this year, actually, from different sources. I don't know if there's a, a renaissance of this thinking coming on this idea of the three comings of Christ. But it's interesting. When you hear it once, and I got a copy of your book, and then suddenly I'm hearing it everywhere. And I'm thinking, oh, this is something. Mike's on to something here. Or, more, or Mike is starting a, tre- a trend of, of, yeah. of revisiting I, this. I, I can't take credit for this. Okay. <laughs> it, it's interesting this year because there's um, all the Catholic priests, nuns, uh, brothers, deacons, and just a lot of devout uh, Catholic people will do what's called the, um, the Liturgy of the Hours or the Breviary. And it's a series of prayers that are prayed throughout the day. And uh, the one traditionally done in the very early hours of the morning is called the Office of Reading. Or it can be it actually be done anytime during the day. And there's two readings um, for each each of the days. And on the Wednesday of the first week of Advent, there's always a the second reading is always from a um, a great spiritual teacher, mystic uh, of the church, Saint Bernard of Clairvaux. And he spoke about the three comings of Christ. Now the church has always talked about two comings of Christ, and that's what Advent's all about. We look forward. We enter into the coming of Christ 2,000 years ago, but then we also look forward to the coming of Christ at the end of time, and I'll go into that later on. But St. Bernard of Clairvaux also said, yeah, but the most important thing is there's a third coming of Christ as well, and that is Christ wants to come into our hearts, our lives, at every moment of every day. So those are the three comings. The first, Christ coming as man 2,000 years ago. The second, Christ told us he's going to come again, at the end of time, personally to us at the end of our lives. And the third coming is he seeks to enter into our hearts every single day at every moment. And that especially, the, I guess, because the coming, the, the first coming is traditionally at the end of Advent, right? The Christmas, right. The, the Christmas feast uh, and the Christmas season, that this is why these things are brought up now. Even the one's kind of apocalyptic and end times, mm-hmm. one is the beginning of Christmas time. And the third, I think, is just so what so fitting for a season meant to, to be all about preparing, right? Right. That that yes, if Christ wants to be in our hearts and and more and more every moment, yes, we need to be preparing for that as Christmas approaches. I think that's a very fitting time to think of those three comings in that way, right? But how does the how does the end of the world type coming fit in with that? Because it seems like, and you, you you know, if you go to if you go to mass regularly, as we do as a family, you hear these readings or, or, or follow the daily mass readings, as I do every morning. Lovely practice. You hear reading from Revelation, and you're like, wow, this is a end times Christmas. Like this is very exciting. Like end of the world kind of crisis coming. Like sleigh bells and mistletoe and candy canes. It's a very funny juxtaposition, right? Yeah. Well, let me tell you why. It's not strange at all. And I'll put it in context of those of us who, who haven't, you know, entered into a relationship with Christ and haven't, or, or some of your listeners, not completely, but they're looking, they're seeking meaning. If we don't have, if we don't look into the reason why Christ came, like I said, Christmas is really no different than President's Day or Fourth of July, we commemorate some event. It's an excuse to get together and celebrate. You know, we try to you know have a big meal and, and be nice to each other, and we decorate the house and things like that. And that's great. You know, that, that's fine. But what's the reason? What's the meaning? You know, and you, you you look right now in our society and look at the the incredible rise of um, depression, anxiety, of mental health issues. You look at college campuses where. Uh, young men and women are claiming insane um, numbers of less than I'm doing okay on a, on a daily basis. So if Christmas is just as like, okay, this nice little baby was born, that's great. But why was Christ born? We said it before, he's our savior. He wants to save us. He wants to open up the gates of eternity. He came to crush the devil, to fix the relationship that was broken, to mend the bridge that Adam and Eve had broken, and to open up the gates of heaven. So our meaning in life doesn't just come from the fact that Christ came, but our meaning in life comes that we've got a destination, and our destination is heaven. Our destiny, we are made for way more than what we're seeing on this earth. 
All the good, all the bad, everything in between. Sometimes it seems to have meaning, sometimes it doesn't. But we are eternal beings that are going to live with Christ forever. And remember, I say we're going to live with him forever. Because from, as far as God's concerned, we're going to heaven. But God loves us, and he'll give us the free will. And we don't have to go to heaven. We can choose hell. It's theologically correct to say God has never sent anybody to hell. He has allowed people to go to hell that desire to be there. So we don't look at, during Advent at the end of our lives or the end of, of the, the world in a morbid way. We look at it in a glorious way. We look at it as a, wow, look where I'm going. I'm not just going to Christmas, December 25th, <laughs> parties, suckling pig, too much you know, wine. No, I'm on my way to heaven. And how do I get there? And how do I spend this time especially looking at that and saying, I want to live a life to make sure I end up in heaven. <laughs> that's, that's well said. That's wonderful. Yeah, because that's, 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 that, that's the point, right? That's the destination. That's the, the whole idea. And I, I think that's, that's really fascinating. Let's talk about Advent for a minute kind of in general. I'm thinking of, you know, so my wife and I became uh, both Catholic converts. And for, for us around the time of you know, we had our, our first son was born. We were kind of establishing a lot of our own Christmas uh, type traditions as a as a married couple. Uh, never mind now we're Catholic and looking at bringing Advent practices into our lives. And our, our the church we'd been to for a while before that was non denominational and very much drew on some ideas from the the, the older church, right? So we actually followed our, our pastor did follow the lectionary of readings that the, the, the Catholic Church follows. We had dabbled our toes into Advent and kind of did a few Advent ish kind of things, right? But for us, suddenly we were Catholic, and suddenly we were look, looking at what kind of things we should be doing for Advent. And there, there are some kind of staple things that, that it seems mm-hmm. like most Catholic families do. But then suddenly there are all kinds of things that we, we, we could or can do. And even as our kids get older, we're grappling with, well, what, what can we take on? What's too much? <laughs> what, what makes sense? I had very good intentions of, of celebrating St. Nicholas Day this year. I've always wanted to. We've also, as a family, we've always wanted to. But then we all got very, very sick last week. And so all those plans are totally derailed. We barely made it through the week, let alone trying to organize some gifts or some, some shoes or some you know, things to do for that. So we'll, we'll try again next year. I, I'm wondering for you, like advice for somebody who's starting to take on Advent to make that season meaningful, to look towards the birth of Christ, to, to draw on salvation history, to draw on looking at the, the, the end goal of our lives. What are some things that those, the, the new Catholic listening should maybe, would you recommend make Advent meaningful to, to dip their toes into? Well, first of all, I'm not going to let you up the hook for St. Nicholas Day <laughs> because uh, myself being St. Nicholas's helper in the middle of the night when I was preparing for my colonoscopy today, which those of you know it means I was doing it, you know, in the wee hours of the morning, still got out there and got those shoes out there and got some things into those shoes. So, oh, no. so You're... next year next year you do it, my friend. Um, oh, touche. So anyways, uh, no, I think my favorite uh, tradition and the one that I'm really going to promote is this. And that is doing something around the Advent wreath and, and, and hopefully an Advent calendar, but let's start with the Advent wreath. We have to, I know the world says your kids are too busy going to every single sporting event in the world, everything at school, everything that we, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Man, if you can do everything you can to reclaim the dinner table. And if you can get your family sitting around the dinner table, having dinner together, you know, and it doesn't matter if it's eight o'clock at night, do it, whatever it is. Or if it's some people have to you know, eat at different times and say, well, let's have dessert together at eight or nine o'clock. You guys take a break from your studies, whatever. Let's just sit down. Let's spend some time together. And what my family did always was after dinner, we went over to um, the manger and we would have a manger. Uh, for those of you who don't know exactly what a manger said. So it's, it's, I'm sure you've seen them. They're little uh, depictions with statues of Mary, Joseph, there's a little crib, you know, um, animals, etc. Now in our family, that would go up for Advent, but the baby Jesus would not be there. Always a reminder that we're waiting for the baby Jesus to come. And so we would go to that and we'd have an Advent wreath. And the Advent wreath, uh, you've seen them in churches. They have usually greenery and there's four candles, three purple, 
one pink in there for the four weeks of Advent. So there's, and you can find blessings for these anywhere. You just, you know, so you bless it. And so there's minimum, it would be great if you would come together and just say say prayers as a family together. Light the candle and say prayers. That's that's, or you could put it on the dinner table and say, let's start, you know, our dinner or our our, our dessert, whatever. Just look, light the candle and let's say let's say some prayers together. So that would be, you know, just an easy barrier to entry. Now, you know, in my family, if it was worth doing, it was worth doing to excess. So we 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 would actually go after dinner. We'd light the candle. We'd sing a song like uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Uh, we'd say our nightly prayers. One of the kids would open up what's called the Advent calendar and would take you through um, each day representing a story from salvation history, like I said, from uh, creation all the way to the coming of Christ. We'd then read that from the Bible. When we were little kids. We read from like a little kid's Bible, and then later on we read from the adult Bible. And we would do this every day through Advent, so just as a family. And this this preparing for the coming of Christ, and you say, well, how do you prepare for something that's already happened? What I would like to use the term is entering into. Our ancestors, our Jewish ancestors, longed for Christ. From the very beginning, God, in a kind of hidden way, said it was going to happen. Then there were all these hints to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. There's all these, you know, prophecies. There's all these different things that are happening throughout the Psalms, through Isaiah, through Micah. So by entering into that longing, it becomes real. And I can tell you and your, your listeners right now, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David, Saul, all these people, they're more real to me than my great-grandfather. Uh, you know, I never, I never met my, my great-grandfather. I've heard my great-grandparents. I've heard some stories. I've seen some pictures. They're really not that real to me. But these stories in the Old Testament, I've read them every single year. I read them with a four-year-old's imagination, an eight-year-old's imagination, a 12-year-old, a 17-year-old, a 20-year-old, and now a 56-year-old. So, <laughs> and so these stories are real. These stories are part of my DNA. I, I've entered into salvation history is my history. The Jewish people are my relatives. Yeah, I like how you, you, as you say that, you're drawing in out the idea that the Jewish, Jewish identity of Christian history. And of course, this was a thing that the Jewish people w- would do, these kind of commemorative things, right? Mm-hmm. That, that longing, like, so we're very much setting ourselves in that same tradition, even though Christ has come, right? We're reliving that moment and, of course, anticipating his next his next coming, his return, right? And and our, our own final judgment and destination in, in heaven, I love the I love the picture, and I love the the fact that I mean, and of course I don't want to alienate the people who are single with no families out there. They're 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 people they're people too, but th- this is made so meaningful, right? With a family, setting those traditions up, right? Because Christmas is one of those things that is so resplendent and so rich with traditions, right? Usually, hopefully, good for most people. Sometimes bad, sometimes tragic or or or, or melancholy, but hopefully, those good traditions are the ones that that live on in memory, right? Advent extends that as a Catholic, right? And we can begin to build up these traditions for our families in Advent as we journey towards Christmas, right? But, you know, I want to talk to the single people. Okay. Fair Uh, fair enough, Mike. They're so important in this as well. And I'm going to go back to the, I'm going to go back to the, the bravery, the Liturgy of the Hours. The amazing thing about the Liturgy of the Hours is every priest, every nun, every brother, every deacon, and so many lay people are saying these prayers. And you know our clock. Our clock is, you know, go around the world. It's 24. You know, 24 hours. At some point or another, it's that. It's 8 o'clock somewhere, etc. And people are saying at different times. And just imagine, I know God isn't up, but imagine your God up. And imagine this constant praying by everybody. And so when you're, whether your choice or whether your circumstances has left you alone, the beautiful thing about entering into things like this is you're not alone. If you could listen right now with God's ears, right now, uh, it's 7.35 in my time in the evening. So 
right now, so many people are playing evening prayer somewhere. So many. And they're praying it the next minute, the next minute, the next minute, the next minute. And God, it used to hear this joyful, joyful prayer that's coming up at all times. And they are connected spiritually with each other. So practices like this, you're connecting not only with everybody else that's doing this, but keep in mind that you're actually entering into this longing when you're reading the stories. And remember, God's eternal. And we'll talk about this again a little bit more on the third coming of Christ. For God, it's always now. It's not it, you, it was or it's going to be. So with our eternity, the way we touch God in eternity is in the now. And so people are single. I think they need this stuff so much. I mean, this is the time to enter into prayer. This is the time to realize that you're part of a community. You're part of you know, children of God. And whether you know, it's, like I said, chosen or chosen for you that finds you alone right now. Know that you're loved. Know that you're, you're a brother and sister in Christ with so many people. And things like this, I think, you know, tie you to so many people. Thanks for uh, for saving me there. I just I just ditched those single people. It's just, I appreciate that you brought them, brought them into the conversation. <laughs> what a what a jerk I am! Yeah, the cordial Catholic. Just sorry, single people. We'll move along. Still, still yes. like him though. Okay, yeah, don't yeah. don't hit the don't like it. Like yes. him. That's good. I appreciate that. Yeah, I for a long time before we had kids prayed the Divine Office, and I had an app actually. A uh, very, very clunky old app on my iPad that would show you who else had that app open, right? And you could see where they were around the world, and you could see how many people were praying at that time. And it was amazing to open up in the middle of the night for like a night prayer and see people all over the world praying different yeah. hours. You felt, and I back then was a brand new Catholic, and I felt like, wow, there are people doing this too. This is exciting. Like, it's, it's not, it's not just me. It's all these other people, priests, deacons, lay people around the world that or praying this, that was a really connecting thing. And of course, the, the, these traditions, these Advent traditions, the wreath, the Advent calendar you mentioned, these things connect us, to, of course, to Catholics all over the world, but all but back through history too, right? In that sense as well, it, the origins of these things. I mean, it's, it's cool to think that we're, we're, we're just other kind of pebbles in the stream that has, has flown long after and will flow long after us doing these things that, that pebbles do, right? Yeah. That's a weird analogy. Tradition, you know, the tradition is just such an amazing thing. The one thing remember is once you lose it, you can never get it back. Yeah. And it's not a tradition anymore. So the importance about tradition is to keep it going. Now, that having been said, you know, there's a lot of other traditions, and we did probably too many in my family. We did the Jesse tree. We did a lot of family things, and you know sometimes it can be stressful. You know, and, and you have to be careful. You always have to look at your spiritual life and don't always add things on. A lot of times, if you're going to add something else on, and I can't tell you, you know, you have to pray about this. But your spiritual life should not be a burden. It should be life-giving. That doesn't mean you, you don't have to put some work into it. You know, push yourself a little bit, but. You know, you have to choose things at different times in different years. And that's why it's so nice that we have the beautiful thing about the church is the church is so ordered. And even ordinary time, everyone's like, oh, it's ordinary. No, it's not ordinary time. It's ordered. And there's a constant order to our liturgical year. There's special things happening throughout the year. And the great thing about being Catholic, for anybody who's out there that's not Catholic but thinking about it, Nobody parties like the Catholics, okay? We have so many celebrations throughout the year, even in Lent, where it's like, uh, I can't eat, I can't drink, I can't do anything, except on feast days. And there's a bunch of them, you know, in Lent. And so I was like, yep, today we feast, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's a great time to have these things. And so it's ordered. And so Advent has its own things, and Lent has its own things, and Easter has its own things, and Christmas has its own things. And even in ordinary time, like in the in the month of uh, October, we, you know, we excuse me, the month of November, we 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 think about death a lot. We think about the end of you know times, and so there's and there's various months that are dedicated to Mary. So, if nothing else, become a Catholic because you'll have a you'll have an excuse to party all the time and for good reasons. So. <laughs> Well, well said. Yeah, that's a great reason to become Catholic. I think that's that's awesome. You mentioned other things just there briefly, these other traditions, and the idea of not taking on too much. I think that's so true during Advent, right? Especially as you're trying to establish and figure out what to take on and what not to take on. I think there could be a tendency to try and do everything all at once, right? I 
And we certainly as a family, as individual, have certainly have done this before in the past. And going, you know what? We can't, we can't make it with this thing. We'll put that mm-hmm. aside this year, right? This year, we're, this year we're for a second year in a row now doing the Jesse tree, Great. Uh, right? Which is awesome. And we have little ornaments that get hung on the Christmas tree and a little bit of readings. But it took a while for my wife to find, you know, one that fit, that we liked, that was not too burdensome for the kids to understand, not too much effort for us to put in and, and crazy work up front to do or something like that. So, so you find these things. I guess the nice thing about the church is that there are so many options for what you yeah. can do at Advent, right? And there aren't these must-dos. You don't, you don't have to do all these certain and, things here. And if you have little right. kids and you're wondering what you should do, you can check a lot of traditional sites like the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, but in all honesty, if you're a young family, go check out some of the awesome Catholic mom blogs because they have so many fantastic suggestions and they've actually tested these things and they'll, they'll say whether a four-year-old can handle it or not. So there are so many great Catholic mom blogs out there that just, they can, they're a wealth of knowledge when it comes to doing family things for uh, seasons like Advent. Yeah, it's true. Now my wife has, doesn't have a Catholic mom blog. She's a Catholic mom. And this year, we're, the new thing that we're doing is she wrapped books, all of our Christmas picture books she took and she bought some new ones and ordered those for the every day of Advent and wrapped them, which was... An, oh, that's great. That was, uh, to me... A burden that's way too much work. I wouldn't, but when she's driven, she's driven. And so there's these numbered books all the way through Advent in a big box, and she has set them thematically, and it's it's just, it's beautiful. It's a, it's a it's a work of art, and God the ki- and the kids and I am just loving this. It's like okay, what what book is for tonight? And we go and we gather to the Jesse tree, and then we go and get the book and sit down on the couch and open and unwrap the book. And they're not all new books; they're books that kids have seen before, but some are new, and they don't know when they'll kind of come out, right? So it's always a surprise what, what book it'll be. We read that book together and then reflect on how that book fits the Advent message, right? The Advent, you know, the, the candle for that week, so hope and then peace, like how these things fit with that kind of theme and themes of Advent, right? And it's it's been it, it, amazing, right? This awesome new tradition that we're establishing that, again, is something just to bring us around together to reflect on the season, to reflect on the idea of, of, of Advent, the the theme of Christ's coming and of what that means and how that should impact us and change us. And, and gosh, it's, it's a lot of work for her up front, but we're loving it. We're loving this awesome tradition, right? But again, it's that balance of what to take on. Right? For us, I think I, I, I Mike, love the idea of, of hide the wise men, right? So the idea of the wise yeah. men coming for Epiphany, uh, you you hide them around the house, and they slowly move. Yep. To, they slowly move towards the manger scene somewhere, right? I've always loved the idea of they're slowly kind of moving there. Where, where are they today? Can can we find and them, right? But- I'll tell you, it's also a great way of extending Christmas because we as kids, so we would do that. The the wise men would be away, and then slow. So on Christmas uh, Eve after Mass, we would come back to the house, and we were kind of hardcore when I grew up. We would have the Christmas tree. Uh, decorated, but we wouldn't light it until oh, Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And the same way with our outside lights, unless we were having guests over. And so we'd go to, we'd have a traditional um, Polish Christmas meal called the Vigilia uh, on uh, Christmas Eve. Then we would get ready, go to Mass. We'd come back from after a minute Mass, come home. And, you know, like we're just getting whipped up, you know, this whole, all this stuff with the, you know, we've been doing for over a month and the presents are slowly starting to show up underneath the tree. And, you know, we, we're just getting whipped up in a frenzy and all of a sudden we come <laughs> back, we come back that night and we process through the house with the baby Jesus. Oh. And we put our, our, you know, the baby Jesus in the crib. We uh, sing Silent Night. We would um, reread the Invincy narrative then throw out all the lights. People run, certain people ran outside to turn the lights on outside. The other ones are turning the Christmas tree on. Then we're just ripping into presents and eating, you know, <laughs> cookies and cake till three in the morning. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. Um, you know, it, was, it was amazing. Yeah. Just something that's this looking forward to and then yeah. reaching. But I, I got off on a little bit of a tangent, but to, the, the wise men, we would extend Christmas. So, we would then, on the Feast of the Epiphany, the coming of the three kings, we would then do, uh, we actually reenacted as kids, and, you know, my mom and dad, my dad would be Herod, and we'd, you know, have little, you know, costumes and stuff, and we'd we reacted. But the three kings actually always brought presents as well. But the three kings were very family-oriented. So the three kings would bring, like, 
some board games, you know, or something that we could do as a family uh, on the Feast of the Epiphany. So we, my parents wanted to reinforce that even when everyone else was ready to chuck the yeah, Christmas tree yeah. away, Christmas is over. No, no, no. You still got a lot more to look forward to. So let's, let's keep up this Christmas thing. Let's keep it up for a couple of weeks. So it was a blast as a kid. I loved uh, two things here I love, Mike. I love the, the joy in your face and your eyes talking about these traditions just, just reinforces for me, and I'm sure for you, right, the value of doing these things for our families and building these traditions that have meaning, that are rooted in the church and in Christ. Like, look at, look at you all these years later, and you've already mentioned your age, so it's not a secret anymore to our, to our listeners. <laughs> you crossed them into a corner there, I think, with, with that one, Mike. But, you, you know, all these years later, that for you, I mean, is a good memory, and I see you're yeah, living man. that. I think that's amazing. So that's one thing I think is just beautiful, the, the value of building those traditions for our families. And the second thing is that, that, amazing, that, that amazing idea of extending that, of making that, that Christmas season, right? That extends beyond Christmas for Catholics. That's the start of the season, right? Not the, not the end of, of things. That's the start of the Christmas season. That's why the priest wears white and the church is decorated and the lights and the trees go on in the church in Christmas right. and continue on. Right, I love that that tangible way that your your parents had of making of extending that season uh, that much longer and making that for your family and for you guys special, right? Like that's the world does this. We're we're a Catholic family. We're doing it this way, just so you know our identity is rooted here. Not not everyone else has stopped. We're still going, man. I I love that. I love that. That's awesome. It's funny you say that also about the the secular world versus us. You know, we. I've run into so many people over the years and maybe I've suffered from it a little bit myself where, oh, I can't believe, you know, it's, it's November or whatever and we're still already listening to Christmas music and all oh, the Christmas trees are up and everybody, you know, we can get all worked up on it or we can do what I could say is hijack the hype. Yeah. Use it for our own good. Use all of these, first of all, all the symbols of Christmas, the Christmas tree, the lights, the stars, all these things are, are Christian symbols. They, they, they actually put, go and Google it. Just look at all these different things, the candy cane, etc. These are all actually Christian symbols that have been hijacked by, you know, the secular world. Let's hijack them back. So every time you see a Christmas tree, every time you hear, you know, a, uh, a Christmas song played on the mall or, or whatever it is, Remember, we're in the season of Advent. Remember that we're looking towards Christmas. It's fine. A Christmas tree, great. What are we looking for? We're looking towards Christmas. That's awesome. Say a prayer. Get in the habit of it. Get in the habit of, and you know what? One of the greatest things is, is how are you going to act? Are you going to act like Christ? And during this season is such, I know everyone's kind of in a good mood and everyone's you know, usually a little bit nicer and that's, that's great. But the reality is there's a lot of places where people are not nice. So, and especially in the last couple of years where there's most stores are understaffed. And I personally have in just the last couple of weeks sat there and waited in long lines at Menards and at Kohl's and you know, to, today in the, the doctor's office. And I wasn't treated great. So what was that an opportunity for, to remember? I see all this Christmas stuff around and say, wait a second. I have to be Christ-like. I have to smile and say thank you. And when, you know, the line is going long, I can't believe this line. No, it's okay, Lord. However long this takes, it's fine. And trying to find somebody to smile at or talk to when I'm in the line and say thank you and say Merry Christmas and say God bless you. So these are great things that we can hijack, we can use, and we can make them as reminders to us about how we should act towards each other. And that to me is the third coming of Christ that we talk about mm-hmm. in the Advent season, right? That that really Christ wants to enter into our lives more and more every day. H- how much more so during this season, right? As we really reflect and and prepare for for his coming back to earth, right? Like this is the time now, <laughs> now right? To enter into that mindset, right? There's a reason why. And this one. Well, I just kind of thought about this. The third coming of Christ is Christ wants to enter now. Now, the reality is, I said this before, God does not exist in the future, and God does not exist in the past. God is always, you know, what did, you know, what did he say when, uh, when Moses asked, well, who am I going to say sent me? I am who I am. I, I am. I am being. I exist. And he even said, I am the God of Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus uses this as, as a... Uh, 
uh, as an argument to the uh, the Sadducees to say, wait, you don't believe in the resurrection? God's not the God of the dead. God is the God of the living, and all are living to God at all times. So where do we meet Christ? We meet him right now. Now, the devil wants two things. He wants us either, A, to be worrying about the future and always thinking about the future, because then we're not living now. If he can't accomplish that, then he wants us to be regretting the past or living some past vainglory. The one place he doesn't want us to live is in the now, because that's what we interact with God is in the now. So applying that to the other two comings, I don't want people to just read about the coming of Christ 2,000 years ago like it was a histor historical event. It's a now event. God comes for all times. And let's not just think about the end of our lives as something that, yeah, at some point or another it's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be a one moment. No. Every decision we make right now to get closer to God is living in heaven. I mean, it's funny because we always think that we're finite beings that then enter into eternity. It's not true. We're already eternal beings. We just change our existence in a, in a different way at the end of this mortal life. That's well said. And then that's very thoughtful. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you're right. We're already eternal beings. So, yeah, yikes. <laughs> yeah, no, so it's it's great. And in some ways, it can be kind of scary. In some ways, that's what the whole deal of the third coming of Christ is. Yeah. Yes. Live in the now. Just live in the now. Where you want to meet God right now is, and we always think there's, look, as Catholics, one of the great, you know, the source and summit of our faith is the Eucharist. We truly believe in the words of Christ. We truly believe, take and eat, this is my body, this is my blood. We believe that the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Um, so that is such an amazing way that, that Christ can enter into us. And there's other great ways we can, you know, go to adoration. And those of you who aren't, aren't familiar with it, it's, it's a wonderful practice of sitting before an exposed uh, host, our Lord present, and just staring at, at, you know, God, hidden behind the guise of what looks like bread, but truly present. Prayer, sacraments, spending, you know, some going to a friend's wedding. These are all seminal, amazing events where Christ is very present. But, you know, Christ just wants to be present and is present when we're taking out the garbage, when we're changing a diaper, when we're trudging off to work. The, it's going to be a bad week, and we're getting up every day at whatever it is, 5 in the morning, and trudging to work and going through some tough things. And Christ is there. Christ there is there in studying for a test. Christ is there in the boredom when none of our friends, you know, can hang out with us right now, and we're just kind of stuck at home together. God's still there. And that's where Christ wants to meet us is every single moment, the high, the low, and everything in between. <laughs> well said. I'm saying, that, I'm saying that a lot on this conversation with you, Mike, but you're saying a lot of things that are, are, are very well said. I think that's fantastic. I'm really enjoying this conversation. I want to ask you a hard question now, okay? I'm going to put, sure. I'm going to, I'm going to put, the, put you on the, on the, in the hot seat, as it were. So Christmas is a great time. Advent's a great time leading up to Christmas. For those families, for those uh, with maybe older kids who have left and who have left the faith, right? Those mm -hmm. families who are maybe broken apart in, in the sense of, of holding that same Catholic faith, right? There are a lot of listeners who write into the show asking questions like that, okay? I'm, I'm, we've been Catholic for, for a long time. Uh, our, our kids have left the faith. Christmas is coming. <laughs> How do we navigate this i mean sure. you, you you have those traditions but now you have a bit of a bittersweet kind of twist on them because those kids mm -hmm. who used to join you at mass or do these things with you are now are now not necessarily going to church anymore or maybe not really right. sure what they believe anymore what what would you say to those kind of people who are in that kind of a position at this point First of all, a tradition is only good and important so long as it's life-giving and when any tradition becomes an impediment throw it out, forget about it. Every single one of the things we've talked about, if it stands in the way of unity in a family, you should not do it. So traditions are great so long as, and I'm not saying sometimes you don't muscle through it a little bit, but the reality is you've got to change. When your family is leaving the faith, when you, know, you have people that are either just falling away or they're actually in, they're against the faith, you have to think of things differently. Now, first of all, in your own life, you probably need good 
habits yourself even more so because when and I think the toughest one is when a spouse leaves you know uh, when you when you've when you've left with divorce and you're like wait a second you think of all those years you used to do these things together with your spouse and your children and he or she's not there well I think it's important to find things of of solace of things of consolation things that do get you through so do those yourself but okay now the family's coming home and the family's going to be around. Maybe they're going to be there for X number of days or maybe they're coming for Christmas. So they're coming for the week before, you know, and you do these habits. I'm a big believer, and especially with, with mass, that never stop doing something that, you know, somebody else, that one of your kids doesn't want to do and has the freedom. Now, young kids... Guess what? When they're in your, when your child's in your home and they're they're a minor, or you have to kind of pick this and say, we go to mass in this house. You came from college. I don't go to mass anymore. Well, you do when you're in mom and dad's house. It's okay. That's all right. Yeah, but your 27 year old who's coming in and living in you know the apartment or whatever lives you know a few miles away and they're not going to go to Christmas mass with you. Well, you go to Christmas mass. So always live the example, and then live charity. So the most important thing is live an example and live charity. So you let them know. You can't make your kids change. And realistically, after probably about age 13 or 14, it's pretty tough to make your kids change. When they're four or five, you tell them to do something, they'll do it. You tell them to think a certain way, they'll think that way. <laughs> uh, that changes. So, But what you can always do is you can affect the people you love. And you do it primarily by your example. And so do the things that bring joy to yourself and let them see that joy and then treat them with love and respect, but never back down from what you believe. So if they push you, you know, don't go out and don't make Christmas, you know, dinner, a fight all the time. But if somebody asks you a question, you know, why you believe, be prepared. If you think it's the wrong time, let's just say you think something's coming up and you don't think the Christmas meal is the time. You know, it's, it's just going to end up in a fight. Well, maybe you don't. But then maybe you call your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister, and later on and say, you know what, Susie, I just want you to know, I didn't want to take you on at Christmas because mom was there, dad was there, whatever. But I just want to tell you, I truly believe blank. And I don't think you were very charitable in saying that about me. Something along those lines. That's fantastic advice, Mike. I love that. And that, that's hard stuff, but right, I think. It is. And there's, there's no one right answer. Oh, say this and do this and they'll come back to the faith running. And no. <laughs> join you at Mass and, and do the wreath again and do all these things again. No, yeah. It, like can, I, can I say the most important thing to remember, yeah, though? Because yeah. everybody, anybody, yeah, I, I say everybody, almost everybody has a as a member has fallen away. And so many people that are younger than me, my age and older than me, they have children and grandchildren that are absolutely not living the faith. The thing we always have to remind ourselves is that God loves our children so much more than we do. Yeah. And our children are more gods than they are ours. And when you are throwing up your hands in the air and say, I can't make Susie do this. Sue, Billy's never coming back to mass. Susie is whatever. You know what? Just say, God, I, she's yours. Because she always was his anyways. But just acknowledge it and say, God, I, I give Susie to you. It's up to you now. And trust, God loves your daughter. God loves your grandson. And, and God will bring it about in his time when they're open. And just because it doesn't happen at the time you want it, the way you want it, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the that's the ultimate surrender, and and that requires so much faith. But gosh, yeah, that's the right that's the move and, you, you know, have gonna, to I'm make. Gonna, I, I'm going to switch it a little bit. <laughs> I, everyone always said, "Oh, Mike, you have great you know you have great faith. You have great faith. Yeah, I, I have great faith. I think of faith as belief in God, truly believe in God." I think a lot of people have faith that don't necessarily have trust in God. Yeah. My, when I, when God said just leave and what took me to finally just leave, I always had faith, but I didn't have trust. And I struggled for almost a year before I did it because I didn't want to just leave. I wanted to just leave. And I wanted God to show me the next step. And God doesn't. God says, if I'm asking this of you, just do what I ask. I'll show you just what you need to see. I always love the, the, you know, the reference to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's like headlights on a car at night. 
and you'd love to see three miles, four miles down the road with eight more turns. You can't, but you can see as far as you need to drive right now. And God will reveal the rest as you drive. <laughs> well said. Okay, Mike, one question, then I want to ask you to tell listeners where they can go to find more stuff about you and this book and things you're doing. One, one takeaway, one, if you had to give one tip for a meaningful advent, what would your one tip for a meaningful advent be that listeners at least, if nothing else from this conversation, they could take away one tip? If it's just a tip and not a practice, I would say know that God loves you so much. And the reason that he came is because he loves you and not the love the TV or the movies or social media says you should be. He loves the you that you are with your wrinkles, your moles, with your sins, your failings. He loves you just as you are. You are the perfect you that he created. And he wants to just, he wants you to know how much he loves you. <laughs> That's a great tip. That's a great tip. Where Mike, it's awesome talking to you. This has been a great conversation. I don't know what I expected, but this is way better than I imagined. <laughs> this is great. This is great. And the bar said hi after I read, you know, read uh, your book and have been reading through it uh, over over the weeks. I the bar said hi, and and you you yeah you blew the bar away, Mike. So, so well Thank done. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Where can listeners go, uh, viewers yeah. go to find out more? From you to find your stuff, you've got all kinds yeah. of things going on. So where do you want to point them towards? Well, I want to point, first of all, I, I love you at the book. And even though we're kind of in the middle Advent, it's never too late. And you can always get it for next year. So the book is called um, The Three Comings of Christ, Daily Meditations for Advent. And I know you can get it anywhere. You know, you can get it on the evil empire um, and, all, you know, that is called Amazon. <laughs> but, yeah, you can get it. But what I'm going to suggest, especially at this time of the year, is uh, – our, our company, Five Stones, also has a, uh, a, a curated Catholic web uh, store called Cedar House, cedarhouse.co.com. But if you did Cedar House Catholic, you're going to find it. But what we do is we go and we work with all sorts of Catholic creators. So we work with nuns and monks. We work with um, Catholic uh, lay people who make beautiful things. So they make rosaries. They make artwork. They make you know, food items, et cetera, and all these just amazing things. And there's just so many great things to buy. You're going to buy cat, you know, you're going to buy Christmas presents. Why not buy something that, you know, that supports these people that are beautiful products. Um, some of them are you know, overtly Christian, the beautiful rosary, um, uh, you know, woodworking, you know, a little home altar, things like that. And sometimes it's just, you know, great almond brittle or chocolate or um, peanut butter, you know, gourmet peanut butter, artesian soaps made by, uh, by nuns, all this stuff. And then especially if you're giving them to friends of yours that are Christians, like, this is great. I mean, I'm, I'm supporting a great thing by having this. So I, so I really recommend you go to cedarhouse.co, uh, .co. And um, some of the, you know, things that you know, I speak at parishes and things like that. Yeah, you can, you can find me through um, Five Stones. We are Five Stones. It's the number five. We are Five Stones.com or evangelizeall.org. Uh, and, you know, just most importantly, I just you know, hope that you'll, all of your listeners will live a really intentional um, advent and, and just prepare their hearts. And, you know, you're like, you might, maybe you're, you're listening to this podcast and it's the 21st you still got four more days it's okay and then you still got a great christmas season and you've got next year so it's it's never ending <laughs> you were talking mike and your lips were moving i heard you this i was online shopping i'm sorry i was listening to <laughs> I was buying the soaps, actually. This is great stuff. Uh, Mike, thanks for being here. This has been an absolute pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. I'll put links to all those things and places in the show notes for listeners and viewers to find and to follow. And uh, thanks. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing this this uh, time with us, these tips, these ideas, these reflections. It's awesome stuff, Mike. Uh, I appreciate it. And listeners have learned a ton. I know I have. And uh I'm go, I'm getting the wise men out. I'm going upstairs and getting that, and getting that. that nice. I'm, they're bringing some board games. That's that, I love that idea. That's a great tradition. Uh, thanks so much, Mike. I want to say God bless you and the fantastic work you're doing for the church. And thank you for being here today. Oh, it was a great pleasure, and God bless you for what you're doing. <laughs> thanks very much.
Well, one more week in the bag, friends. Thanks for listening to the show again week after week. I appreciate your listening. I appreciate your support of the show. Let me know what you think of this episode. I think it was a fantastic one with Mike Pacer. Great tips, great ideas, awesome insight into the history of Advent and how we can understand it in a broader context. Great content there from Mike and a fantastic interview, fantastic conversation, I should say. He's a great guy. We had a lot of fun uh, on and off the air. TheCordialCatholic.com is our website for show notes for my blog and those kinds of sundry things you might find there. Send your feedback to CordialCatholic at gmail.com. We're on social media on Twitter on in Instagram at CordialCatholic, The Cordial Catholic on Facebook, and you can find us, well, on YouTube at YouTube.com slash TheCordialCatholic to watch what you are listening to if you are so inclined. If you want to support the show to help to keep on going and growing, head over to patreon.com slash cordialcatholic or one-time donors, head over to paypal.me slash cordialcatholic to help support this podcast, uh, the YouTube channel, all this stuff. Friends, if you feel like that's what you want to be involved in to help this thing, please head over to those places. Those links are also in the show notes. And thanks to those who are already supporting the show. It means so much. It's so amazing. It's, it's, <laughs> it's awesome to do this thing guys I, I am blessed week after week so thanks for your support thanks for listening friends uh, talk to you again next week pray for me uh, I'll pray for you and uh, if I can uh, let me know what I can do for you reach out to our email address or on social media and let me know how can we pray for you thanks guys talk to you soon God bless This show is brought to you in a special way by our co-producer patrons over at patreon.com slash cordialcatholic. A special thanks to Ellie and Tom, Kelvin and Susan, Stephen, Suzanne and Victor, Phil, Noah, Nicole, Michelle, Jordan, John, James, Gina, and Aram for your special support at the co-producer tier and making this thing possible. You guys are fantastic. God bless and thanks for your support.